Hey, this is Channing. And this is Leah. And you've reached Vessel, Art is a Doorway. Welcome to Prelude Part 1. Hey guys, so to start off with our Prelude Part 1, I have a few questions for Channing. Now, one of the reasons, Channing, that you mentioned you wanted to start this podcast is because of your experience with art as you work in the hospital. What are some of the things that you have seen that made you interested in art? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because uh, from a healthcare worker, a lot of times we don't even realize it, but the patients are definitely impacted by the art that's around them, whether it be in the hallways or even inside of the, um, inside of their rooms. For instance, when I was even in x-ray school, this, this is going to date me back almost like 20 years ago. Um, I was doing some of my clinicals at the hospital in radiation therapy. And I remember how one particular instance when a doctor, I was actually in a room with the doctor and patient, and the doctor gave the patient a particular diagnosis. And seeing the impact on that patient's face um, just really saddened me. But afterwards, Later on during that day, I was in the lunchroom and I came across that same patient staring at a piece of artwork. And just for a few seconds, it was like time just froze. And I'll never forget that. And even since then, I've seen how um, even, for instance, let's say what I do currently in special procedures, especially when it comes to neuro procedures, I've seen it when uh, we do a particular procedure on a patient and afterwards, a few doctors will come into the room and they'll show a series of pictures to the patient. And based on that patient's interaction with the artwork, they'll basically be able to get a neurological assessment of where the patient is mentally. So that's really interesting. So because that really makes the point that what we take in through our eyes affects our mind and affects our emotions. Now, um, what about with your coworkers, like the nurses and doctors? Have you seen how art has impacted them, particularly at the hospital? Oh yeah, definitely. I remember one discussion I was having with one of the nurses I used to work with a long time ago. And I remember hearing her say how at one of the hospitals that she worked at, that basically up and down the staircase, the hospital had commissioned a series of paintings by this one particular artist, and she just loved looking at them. Now, what she would do is, is every day, she enjoyed climbing the stairs because she was a very uh, fit woman. She really stayed in shape. But as she was walking up and down the steps, that was one of the things that she looked forward to doing is actually looking at these particular paintings. And I found that really fascinating. And if you think about it, the artist really didn't realize that this experienced nurse was actually having this encounter with his paintings. And just think about that. Here, the nurse was leaving the staircase, looking at a painting and going into a patient's room. So how do you think that must have had an impact on the way that she cared for that particular patient? Uh, it was something that really 
um, it was like a little dessert that she could have every day. That totally makes sense, Channing, because our day is made up of all these little moments. So even though art seems like something small in the background, it affects how we feel. And in that nurse's case, in the example you gave, it definitely affected how she felt, which is definitely going to impact patient care. And I know the patients feel better Mm -hmm. just having someone care about their surroundings enough to where they're going to put art around to improve the space that the patients have to be in. Yeah, that's so true, because I think you really hit the nail there, it really affects patient care. Um, So the way that we, the fact that we can actually have art in the hospital, once again, it just really shows that the staff, everyone, we really care about our patients. And that really, inside of this um, prelude um, audience, um, we're going to be having a series of uh, different clips from some of the conversations that we've had uh, with uh, some of these fascinating artists. I mean, we were able to um, have discussions with uh, some great musicians, sound engineers, um, curators, collectors, um, even artists themselves. We even got a chance to speak to uh, one of an amazing architect, um, and she actually worked with, uh, with Frank Gehry. But in this discussion alone, we're going to focus in on how the medical field is actually being affected. And it reminds me of one of the discussions that we had with the great Ted Meyer. Now, Ted Meyer is one of the curators at USC, and he is an artistic patient advocate. And if you're not sure what that is, don't feel bad at all. I didn't know what it was either until I talked to him. In fact, I think he invented that position. And I know lots and lots of people are going to be so happy that he did. What he does is he uses art to create empathy in the surgeons and doctors that he works with. In fact, it's extremely fascinating. And he works with them to do this, especially with his students. And can't wait for you to hear his full interview. But instead of me trying to explain to you what he does, I think you should just listen to this clip. the program to tie directly to the core curriculum. So it's so I'm running this amazing program now because I have great support at USC where I find artists whose work deals specifically with the illnesses that are being studied in that block mm-hmm. of the core curriculum. So if they are studying uh Bones. If they are studying skeletal, I'll find somebody with, like me, with a, a skeletal illness. Or if they're doing respiratory illness, I'll find someone with emphysema or cystic fibrosis. Or if it's neurological, MS or polio or, or something. But the people have to do art about the illness and how the illness has affected them. Because I want the doctors to never walk into a kid's room again the way they did with me and just see the kid as something weird with an illness. And my hope is that if they see that an artist can create amazing artwork from an illness, maybe they realize the fact that patients have whole lives outside of their illness. They're not just their illness. They're creative, they're emotional, they 
you know, and, and if you can really see the art, like you, you were talking about with people looking at the art from the gurneys, I'm trying to do the opposite. So people always think I'm, when I tell them first what I'm doing, they're like, oh, do you have an art therapy degree? And I'm like, no, no, I'm the opposite. I'm teaching the doctors to look at their patients, not the, you know. Patients to look at the art. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was such an awesome interview that we were able to have with Ted. I know, it's really powerful, the program that he's running for USC. And the more I do research on different things and just in general, I'm hearing more and more innovative schools like USC and even other schools like Yale and Harvard, how they're integrating art into their programs and capitalizing on the value that art has when it comes to learning, feeling, and really magnifying the way they teach. Yeah, that's really interesting, Leah. But now getting back to patient care, I remember when I had a near-death experience, I think about four or five years ago, I had gotten into an accident and I needed emergency surgery as a patient. Um, now, you know, the roles got flipped. I was a medical staff member and then I became a patient. After the surgery, when the um, uh, a transporter actually escorted me out of the hospital in a wheelchair, I remember as I was going out of the entrance, I could hear this waterfall. And it was really a settling, calm thing for me. And when he woke me out of the hospital, I remember looking over and seeing the waterfall itself. You see, the hospital had actually commissioned an artist to create that. And the impact that it was having on me at the time, just looking back, it was a very peaceful thing. And really seeing the waterfalls and hearing the sounds, it just had a calming effect on me. In addition to visual art, music is so important. There was a documentary I saw a few years back called Alive Inside. It's on Netflix. And it was really amazing because it was talking about music and the effect on the brain. And the fact that Things like art and music are a backdoor to uh, your mind, and I've seen that in my own family. In fact, when my father had a stroke on the left side of his brain, he lost his ability to speak. And what that means is he has all of his intelligence. He's aware of what's going on, but he just doesn't have the words anymore. And the most successful therapy he had was a therapy, a speech therapy that involved using music. Because of the particular circumstances at the time, he had a few different types of speech therapists. And the one that used music was pretty much the only one that immediately we saw results. Yeah, Leah, that's really interesting, especially when you're talking about how there's a power there. It reminds me of a discussion that we had with the uh, talented Brian Bender. He's a sound engineer, and he uses music as a tool to influence our mind. Listen into this clip of Brian. make someone standing in a hallway the most terrifying thing that ever happened mm -hmm. in an unquantifiable way because of some ticky-tacky weird little sound that comes <laughs> in the rear channel you know yeah. so fun so how much of it is science do you would you say and how much of it is um just really intuitive Ooh, that's a great question i mean again like i'm so intellectualized in my daily life that i try to just really go fully like endocrine system yeah. um but you know there 
it's like anything where you're building a language of techniques, right? Like mm -hmm. all of those things that you've like studied, any of these, like the marbling thing that you were showing yeah. me, that's like a beautiful thing that you know how to do. And so anytime you need to do that, you can just do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say that like in, in macro, like these are all s sort of confirmation bias things. Mm -hmm. Like you've known that it worked previously in this other context, so you can like repurpose it yeah. and kind of bring it forward. So in that way, yeah, I'm like a really, really nerdy close-up magician. Like I just have like a whole bunch of tricks in my pockets. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like, let's try this trick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, for me anyway, I've always found a lot of interest in like perceptual sciences mm -hmm. too. So I've like studied psychoacoustics a little mm -hmm. bit and like gotten down that rabbit hole mm -hmm. and like bringing some of those things that are super, super informational and mathematically based into the right brain's playland mm -hmm. can be really fun. Wow. Um, I had a weird ask from a friend. We were doing this song and there was like a bridge and it was about bees and he wanted this moment where it like the sound of a bee starts super mono, like really in the center channel and then like overwhelms your head. Mm. And uh, I thought about it for a second. I was like, uh, okay, cool. And then like, you know, based on his ask, I was able to kind of like work backwards into a technical sort of left brain way to realize that. Right. But then you don't like in its inception, you just feel this like swarm of bees encircle yeah. your head, you know. Yeah, that interview with Brian was fascinating. I don't think that I'll ever think about music, the brain and art in the same way. I can't wait for you all to listen into that one. I know, especially him being in the movie industry and also uh, doing, he, he does all kinds of uh, sound engineering work. It was just really fascinating to hear how he uses music as a tool. And I know in this particular prelude, we've been talking a lot about therapy and how music and art are used in the in medical situations but the thing is is that I, I also feel sad sometimes when I see like okay at, with a person dealing with mental illness or substance abuse or other situations that okay then they find art I think that's amazing that that is the case but it's like I wouldn't you know you don't wait until you have a heart disease before you start exercising and so I, I feel like at the same time, it's like, I don't think that art should just be for children and for um, people who are trying to deal with things mentally and um, things like that. I think there's something that is, again, there's like, um, there's power there in using it um, in our daily lives, just like, uh, you know, we would exercise. In fact, um, I, there was an article in psychology today and they were actually, um, quoting from a few different um, people there, in fact, there was a, um, recent study of, oh, please forgive me. I'm going to like murder your name. Samir Zeki, um, of the university of London is really interesting. It says that, um, they connect the mere viewing of art with an increase in dopamine and activity in the brain's frontal cortex, resulting in feelings of pleasure that are similar to being in the throes of romantic love. And it's funny, there's an, another um, part that I read that it says that it creates endorphins. So just like we get endorphins when exercising, we get endorphins from making art and viewing art 
that we really love. Yeah, that's so intriguing. So that's really the subject of this podcast. We're going to dig in deep into not only visually uh, seeing the art, but how it affects us emotionally and mentally and psychologically. That's one of one of the biggest subjects that we're going to really focus in on. And we really want to thank all of you for listening in uh, to this podcast. We know that there's so many things that you can do. If you really like this podcast, please hit the like and subscribe button. And a special shout out goes to DJ Wonderboy for creating the track. Thanks for listening in to Vessel, Art is a Doorway. <laughs>